Welcome to the Positive Sports Podcast. I'll be your host this evening, Ed Montana. As you can see, I am flying solo today. My brother is... My brother Alex is on vacation with his family. We have just started spring break here in the Houston area. Most of the schools are out this week. And so he and his family decided to take a trip. Don't worry, fans of the Positive Sports Podcast. He did not leave the country. He is still in the good old U.S. of A. Um, I don't think he would leave the country right now, considering all the coronavirus stuff. I know I wouldn't. So... I can't, you know, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't either. But he is vacationing somewhere in the United States. I would tell you guys, but he doesn't want to be around a bunch of people because then, you know, the risk of getting the coronavirus would increase, which he's trying to avoid. Anyway, and as you can see, for those of you that uh, consume our podcast via YouTube, you can see that today is Metal Monday. Right, it's the day of the week where all the weekend warriors proudly wear whatever medal they earned in some sporting event over the weekend. Mine happens to be a medal from the Woodlands Marathon, the 2020 Woodlands Marathon. The Woodlands is about uh, 40 minutes north of Houston, and I went up there to run a marathon this past weekend on Saturday, and um, I'll tell you more about that a little bit later on. But you know. Got a medal and uh, proudly displaying it. I feel great. Um, I'm tired. I don't have a whole lot of energy even two days later. Uh, but that's kind of to be expected. I'm sore. That's kind of to be expected. And um, we'll talk more about that uh, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, look, first things first. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room, this coronavirus, which is, uh, you know, on everyone's mind. Uh, is certainly uh, the most attention-gathering uh, topic uh, for everyone above and beyond sports. Uh, there's a, a bunch of cases here in the U.S. now. It has finally hit our homeland. Uh, I think we're, we're creeping up on 500 cases, I've I heard of coronavirus and so <clears throat> it's a real issue it's a real issue for this country um i think it's a bit overblown it's uh not much worse than the flu but uh you know as with uh any epidemic and epidemic may be a bit of a strong word but you know you got to be careful you got to take the proper precautions uh i know there are uh, in the sports world, there are countries that are starting to uh, cancel events. Even in our country, we're starting to cancel events. I know the festival that goes around the Arnold Classic in Ohio, I believe it is, has been canceled. The competition itself will go on, but the festival, which draws about 300,000 people annually, has been canceled. Um, there's some big conferences that have been canceled. Uh, South by Southwest in Austin has been canceled. Um Overseas, it's affected sports. Italy is canceling all of the Serie A games, uh, soccer games in uh, in Italy uh, until further notice. And so, you know, the 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 Grand Prix in Bahrain is being canceled, I believe. So there's a lot going on. It is a serious issue. Uh, please, to everyone out there, take care of yourselves. Practice good sound fundamental hygiene wash your hands 
cover your mouth and um, stay away from people that are coughing. If you're sick, don't be a warrior. Don't go to work. Stay home. Um, you know, your immune system is compromised. You don't want to go to work and get other people sick as well and, and whatnot. So, you know, we just have to be smart and I'm sure we'll figure something out here soon and it will uh, pass. But certainly 2020 is going to be remembered for the year of the coronavirus. It is wrecking havoc on oil prices, on the uh, global markets, right? The uh, the Dow Jones, I think, fell 5% today, which 5% in one day is a lot. Um, airline stocks are getting hammered. Uh, <clears throat> cruise, cruise line stocks are getting hammered. It's been rough, and it's rough for the economy, and people are losing a lot of value in their portfolios and 401ks. And, it, you know, it's just, it has not been um, a good time. Uh, this this whole thing is uh, really kind of taking a life of its own. It's unfortunate, but these things happen. And to be honest, in the end, we usually come out ahead and we come out better for it. So hopefully uh, they'll find some solution to this relatively soon. And, uh, you know, things will get better sooner rather than later. In the meantime, take care of your family and friends. <clears throat> For our older fans, please take care of yourselves. Apparently, you guys are at uh, greater risk than most. Um, I guess technically I'm at greater risk than my brother since I'm older. C'est la vie. Um, but, you know, that's just the way it goes. So, take care of yourself. Practice good hygiene. And uh, if any of our fans out there have the coronavirus, uh, get well soon. <clears throat> so... Uh, aside from running the marathon this weekend, I had the very great pleasure of going over to a friend's house to watch UFC 248. And there's really only one thing to talk about, and that is the women's strawweight championship fight between Zhang Wei Li, the defending champion, against Joanna Jinchechek, uh, the former champion who really put the strawweight division on the map. Uh, she came in like gangbusters about four years ago and uh, was champion for, I want to say like two and a half, three years almost, almost three years. Uh, she was a great champion. She fought everybody. She's had a couple other, you know, she then lost the belt and she's had a couple of cracks since then. And this was another shot to reclaim the championship. Zhang Wei Li had a winning streak of 20 matches in a row. Um, she came into the UFC like gangbusters, uh, and, and she's certainly not as famous as Joanna, but <clears throat> really a formidable challenge. Um, and her as the champion, you know, obviously she's earned her stripes. And what we got from those two women was, as ESPN would call it, an instant classic. Just an absolute classic. I've never seen two women stand in front of each other for 25 minutes and throw fists and kicks with bad intentions and survive. I mean, I, I, it's amazing how many times my buddy and I, who were sitting there watching the fight, were like, oh, oh, oh. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. What these two women did, they didn't take a step back. They, they literally stood there and just fought and fought and hammered away and tried to find a way to 
figure out the puzzle that was their opponent in front of them. Uh, and some of those swings and misses looked like they would take someone's head off. Some of those connections were unreal. Um, uh, Zhang Wiley, or Wiley Zhang, I'm not quite sure how to say it. Her eye, uh, one of her eyes was pretty much swollen shut from the first round. Um, Joanna took a shot in the forehead where her entire forehead swelled up like, I mean, there's no nice way to say this, but she, she looked like, she looked like an alien. And, and I don't mean that to be derogatory. It's just the only way I can explain the amount of swelling that she had in her forehead. She got hit on the, I believe it was the left-hand side, but the swelling ended up going across her entire forehead it even dropped down around one of her eyes. By the end of the fight, she looked almost unrecognizable. Uh, she's she's an attractive woman, um, and and just the, the the punishment she took, the um, and and I mean Zhang Weili, the same thing. It was just it was amazing, and it was amazing that they could do it for twenty five minutes. Uh, I don't know if you recall what it was like being in a fight when you were a kid. But when you got into a fight as a kid, you threw about four punches and it was over. Right? One way or another, it was over. It was a 30-second affair. These two ladies did it for 50, for 25 minutes. Non-stop. It was incredible. The heart and determination that these two women showed in the face of adversity was amazing it's a shame they both couldn't win because they both deserve to have a belt wrapped around their waist it is in my opinion the greatest women's mma fight ever and it probably ranks in the top five of greatest fights of all time men or women it was just incredible Incredible. Over 300 strikes landed between both of them. Now you go ahead and do that math. That's 60 strikes around. I mean, that's 60 around. That's 12 strikes every minute. I mean, that's just, and that's nonstop. It's just incredible. It was an amazing effort. It was a split decision. All three judges' scorecards were 48-47. And Zhang Wei Li retained her strawweight championship. But just an incredible fight between those two ladies. It obviously won fight of the night. It, it will probably win fight of the year. I can't imagine another fight being better. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they had uh, Dan Hooker and Paul Felder in a lightweight fight. And that was a great fight. And it, I hate to say it because those guys were amazing as well, but it paled in comparison to this fight with, between these two women on Saturday night. It was just amazing. It was incredible. And I, 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 can't, I can't lavish enough superlatives on those two women for the courage it takes to battle like that. You know, you walk into a fight, these people walk into a fight and even the most confident person probably has a little bit of trepidation, right? Like, I could get knocked out. I mean, it could happen. Uh, both of these women have lost before, so they know it can happen. But they still, they walk in there with all the confidence in the world. But man, after five minutes, 
and Zhang Wei Li goes back to her corner and they're working on her eye. Ah, that confidence has got to start to hurt a little bit. In the third round, when Joanna goes back to her corner and they start to really work on her forehead, try to try to put that end swell on there to get it, get the swelling down. The confidence has got to start to waver a little bit. When they go back to their corner after the fourth round, they've gone 20 minutes, and their coaches are telling them, you have to win this round. The fight is razor close. You have to win this round. And the beating that they've already taken and inflicted upon each other, to then go out there and push forward and continue to battle for another five minutes takes courage that most of us will never understand what these people do is incredibly special. And for everyone who thinks they're tough, you're not as tough as these women. Chances are. There's very few people that are as tough as these, these two women were on Saturday night. It's just incredible. Absolutely amazing, amazing performance. I felt bad for the main event guys because they had to follow that. And there was no way... There was no way that their fight was going to live up to the to the hype of the previous fight or even the hype that they had built up themselves. Um, the 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 arena in Las Vegas was it sounded like it was going to explode. It was incredible how loud it was. Uh, it's just an unbelievable fight from those two women. Uh, my hats off to both of them. Uh, it was, I mean. I'd have paid for the pay-per-view just for that fight. If I would have known I was going to get that, I'd have paid for that one fight just to see that. It was incredible. Um, <clears throat> so hats off to both of those ladies for really just an incredible performance, an incredible display of technique uh, and courage and heart. Um, just words really do not do it justice. Uh you know, we're getting ready for the baseball season. It's right around the corner. But let's face it, the only thing we can really look at right now is basketball. Uh, no one gets too excited about spring training baseball except for maybe my brother. I get excited for my kids' baseball. But other than that, you know, I'm kind of waiting for the season to start. But we're all starting to look at the NBA. And we were treated to what I personally think may end up being the Western Conference Finals yesterday in a matchup of L.A., the L.A. Lakers versus the L.A. Clippers. And I'll tell you what, more and more, the Lakers are looking like the kind of team that really could run away with the West. Um, they handled the Clippers yesterday. And, you know, they didn't blow them out by any means. But it really they really seem to be in control of the game. And for all of the talk out there about who's going to win the MVP, all the talk about James Harden and his 36 points a game average or whatever it is, and all this talk about Giannis and, and the Bucks and the best record in the NBA winning 83% of their games, for all of that talk, and I'm not a big fan of LeBron James, but LeBron James deserves some credit, deserves some, uh, some, some part of that MVP conversation. He is really just, he's having an amazing season. And, you know, I, I don't think, you know, he doesn't get the credit because he's been around for so long. He's been a star forever and a day. But 
at the end of the day, LeBron James is having a really a spectacular season. He's averaging 26 points a game. He's averaging eight rebounds a game. He's at, he's leading the league in assists. He almost 11 assists a game. I mean, it that it's just it's incredible. He is really um, really having a great season, and I think it's a shame that he's not getting more of the conversation as far as MVP goes. I mean, by comparison, you look at James Harden, 34 points a game. I said 36, 34 points a game, but only six rebounds a game, only seven assists a game. Yes, he is, you know, a scoring machine, but I don't think he does defensively what LeBron does. And, you know, I'm as big a James Harden fan as anybody, but the fact of the matter is, you know... It's just not. It's not the same. Um, Giannis is another one we hear a lot about. Uh, he's averaging 30 points a game, 14, 14 rebounds, six assists. So obviously he's got. You know, he's he's doing something right. Um, <clears throat> he is an incredible player himself. But you know, again, LeBron just. I, I don't know who's going to win the MVP, but I think it's a shame that. LeBron is not more in that conversation. I think he deserves to be. And look, uh, I know that they're going to do the voting for the MVP before the season, uh, before the playoffs. Uh, but certainly out west, he he deserves it. And uh, you know, Giannis, I, I think it comes down to him and Giannis, honestly, uh, because the Rockets have faltered here a little bit recently, and and you know they're they're down in the sixth seed, so. <clears throat> it's looking it's looking rough for them. The 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 NBA this year is a little bit it's a little bit different uh, than normal. The races are really kind of lopsided, right? Uh, the Lakers are racing to be the one seed throughout the playoffs. They've got a six and a half game lead on the Clippers, which is quite a bit when you're talking about. You know, 20 games to play. Uh, then you've got a bunch of jumbled up pieces in the middle. You know, the Clippers are at six and a half, and then you can go all the way down to the Mavericks at the seven seed, eleven and a half. So it's 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 six and a half from one to two, and then from two to seven, it's only five games. So there could be a lot of movement there between the Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, Rockets, and Mavs. Then you've got a few more games back. You've got the Grizzly, the Grizzlies, 18 games out. And then the, and they're in the last playoff spot. And then the hunt for the last playoff spot, you've got the Pelicans and the Kings, both four games behind. Uh, the, the Trailblazers, four and a half. It should get interesting with those with those four teams. Uh, I don't have much faith in the Kings, but I do have a lot of faith in the in the Pelicans and the Blazers and even the Spurs to a certain extent, who are five back. To make a run at it, the Suns are six out. I don't think they're going to make a run at it. But even so, that's a that's a four games is a lot to pick up in twenty games that are left. But uh, we will see soon enough uh, how that shakes out. In the East, New Milwaukee is running again. Same same type of situation. Milwaukee running away uh, with the number one overall seed. And then you've got the Ra- the Raptors are seven and a half games behind them, and then you've got the Celtics, the Heat, the Pacers who are having a great season. 
No one talks about them much. Victor Oladipo is not, you know, the most recognizable star. It's pretty hard to figure out who their number two is, or or at least, you know, in terms of fame, right? Their number two doesn't exactly carry a whole lot of weight. Um, but yet, there they are. You know, they, they are, you know, Sabonis is having a great season, and, and certainly that's... Uh, helping him out a lot, you know. He's been the breakout guy this year, but you know they're, they're doing it. They're doing it with an entire team effort. Oladipo is the only name, but you know T.J. Warren is is doing well. Sabonis is doing well. Uh, they've got a lot of guys that are that are pitching in. They do go pretty deep into their rotation in order to make it happen. So they're not going to be the sexy pick. No one's going to really talk about them much. No one's going to really know what's going on with them. It's it's kind of uh they're kind of uh the the dark night, if you will, in that division. Um, <clears throat> and then you've got the Sixers, who we've talked about the Sixers before. I don't know what's going on with that team. They they're the six seed. And they're only 15 games out, so they're seven and a half behind the Raptors. So again, you've got a pretty good cluster of teams there within seven and a half uh, from two to six. Um, we'll go back to the Sixers in a second. And then you've got a pretty big drop off to the Nets and the Magic, who hold the seven and eight seed. They'll be fighting to see who's going to play the Bucks. And then you've got five and a half game back down to the Wizards, six and a half back to the Hornets, and then the Bulls, which you know. Not very good. So <clears throat> it looks like the the playoff teams are set. There'll be some movement and slotting and matchups, but it looks like it's pretty much set. Five and a half games is a lot to make up again with 20 to play. Uh, back to the Sixers. The Sixers, look, if they play all the games in Philadelphia, they have a good chance of going to the NBA Finals. The problem is they're apparently not even going to have home court advantage in the first round. In which case, they may get bounced in the very first round. And that team is just not working. It, it's just not working. It continues to fail. It continues to look like just like things just don't work. And it's it, it's it, see, it seems a lot worse on the road, but it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I don't know how much more clearly you can say that. And this may be one of those years where, you know, the the NBA, I think, has to do something with the regular season. It's either too long or they need to change something about the playoff system. But, I mean, this year we really have nothing to talk about. Everyone everyone is positioned. You've got half the league, basically, positioning itself for a playoff spot. You've got two through six in the East trying to position themselves for a spot. And you've got two through... Seven in the West. So, two, three, four, five, six. So, you got 11 teams that are basically just trying to position themselves in the playoffs. You've got three teams, uh, two teams at the top that are, they, they know exactly what they're, what they're going to be, right? They're going to be the, the number one seed in their conference and everything's going to go through them. And then you've got teams that are fighting to be seven or eight. And then you've got a bunch of other teams that just aren't doing anything. You know, it's just, it's kind of boring. This is, as interesting as 
LeBron and AD is in LA and Kawhi and Paul George in LA. The rest of the league really is kind of boring. There's really not a whole lot to talk about. It's nice to have seen to see some new faces kind of come around. Zion Williamson's been entertaining to watch. Sabonis in Indiana has been entertaining to watch. The maturation of of uh, of Luka Doncic in, in Dallas has been nice to watch, but there's really not a whole lot going on in terms of teams challenging each other. It seems pretty straightforward at this point. It's kind of weird. Go figure. Uh, for those of you who like to fill out brackets, March Madness is a week away. We're we're in conference tournament week. Uh, this weekend we'll get all the conference tournaments done, and we will have brackets for you on um, a Sunday of this coming week. So I bet everyone just can't wait. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, for everyone, I think we'll go ahead and we'll probably do one on ESPN. We'll set up a group for the Positive Sports Podcast for those of you that listen and want to um, put a bracket out there and challenge us and see uh, if you guys can pick better than we do. Uh, certainly let us know your picks or let us know your thoughts. Uh, you can email the show, positivesports10 at gmail.com, positivesports10 at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to get a hold of my brother, um, you can uh, reach out to him on Twitter, Brooklyn Gaucho One. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can do so on Twitter as well at emontana21. Uh, if you've been following my brother, you know he's been putting out this against the spread challenge that he, myself, and our cousin Jay have been doing. And he's been putting his picks out there every day. Uh, he, he fancies himself a bit of a handicapper because he's won two of the three months that we've done this little challenge. So, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we've been doing it since the middle, since the early part of December, and I think we're all right around 500, which that's what the spread does, right? Evens everything out. So, uh, for those of you unfamiliar, we pick one college game. Uh, everyone picks a, a college game, and uh, we pick it against the spread, and we whoever has the most wins at the end of the month wins. So, go figure. It's been close every single month. Uh, actually, no. One month, Alex kind of ran away with it. But, overall, pretty close. I think we're all like within a game or two of each other. And we're all right around 500. Like, Alex is two games over 500. I'm one over 500. And Jay is at 500 or two under 500. One under 500. Something like that. It's it's really close. So, it's really kind of uh, kind of strange. We've made 90-some-odd picks, I think. And we're all right there. My brother breaks it down uh, between you know, how we pick uh, favorites and underdogs and home and away. I don't know how he does it, but he's obviously got more time on his hands than I do. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, which is why he's on vacation and I'm not. <clears throat> anyway. So that is that. Um, that's pretty much all I got today. It's going to be a short one, guys. When I don't have someone to banter back and forth with. Uh, you know, Alex is a uh, is knowledgeable sports guy. It's always good to kick it around with him, chop it up with him. And I have someone to chop it up with. I give you my thoughts and, you know, I move on. Um, you know, I got things to do, places to go, people to see, however that saying goes. I keep it moving. I keep the show moving. Alex likes to get on tangents. I don't. I get right to the point. I don't know if you... Uh, I will say this. I don't know if you guys have been watching, but... 
this XFL stuff is pretty entertaining. Um, I don't know. Again, I think they've gone. This is this is week five. Uh, it's going to be a ten week season, so we're halfway through. Um, it has been interesting, and I have enjoyed it immensely. I, I don't get there. There are there don't seem to be a ton of quirks in terms of uh, in terms of what you know what what which can and can't do or whatever. Um, but it's. It's been entertaining. The football's been good. Um, you know, they try to add some wrinkles, talk about, you know, talk to players on the sideline and all this other stuff. And it's it's all right. I mean, it's it's football. It's good football. It's fun to watch. And, you know, we're, we're a football country. And I don't mean the kind where you kick a ball. I mean, the pigskin. We're a football country. Everyone likes to watch it. All the teams are competitive, you know, some a little bit better than others. It's uh, It's been a good time. I can't find standings anywhere, though. That's weird. Let's see if we can find some standings. <clears throat> XFL.com. How about that? I know the Houston team is good. They're like 4-1 and one or maybe 3-2. and two. I don't know. They, they look pretty good. Um, whatever. God, they don't even have standings on their website. I like their motto, for the love of football. Because they know everybody loves football. Oh, here we go. Standings. So let's see. You've got the D.C. Defenders and the St. Louis Battlehawks and the New York Guardians in the East, all at 3-2. and two. The Tampa Bay Vipers are one and four. Yikes! The Houston Roughnecks are five and zero. Wow, I didn't realize that. The Dallas Renegades and the uh, LA Wildcats are two and three, and the Seattle Dragons are paltry one and four. So, you know, looks like fun. Looks like they're doing well. Uh, the stadiums have been, you know, there's a fair amount of fans. I don't know if that's just the newness of it all, but they're out there. Uh, the DC defenders look good, but you know they actually made a quarterback change this year, this week. They had Cardell Jones from uh, from Ohio State, and they went with their backup, but he was good. Uh, the Houston Roughnecks look uh, really good. Uh, you know, you know, but it's it's all right. There you go. Enjoy it. For those of you that can't get enough football during the regular season. I personally, I would take this over a 17-game NFL season. If I had to, if I had to pick a 17-game NFL season and no XFL, or a 16-game NFL season and some XFL, give me a 16-game NFL season and the XFL. Stop making those guys in the NFL play more games. It's not necessary. You're diluting the brand by adding people by adding games. Please don't add any more games to the NFL season. In fact, take away games. Take away all of the preseason games except for one. That's all they need. How about that? How about we do that? Anyway, <clears throat> so that's all I have um, about the marathon this weekend. So the marathon was very interesting. I, uh, I ran the Houston Marathon in January. I did okay. I didn't do great. 
I got sick right at the same time as I ran the marathon, and so my recovery did not go well. But shortly after I recovered, a couple weeks later, I had a friend ask me to pace him so that he could run a qualifying time for the Boston Marathon. And I thought, well, I'm not in good enough shape to run all 26 miles at that pace, I don't think. But I thought, I can, I can definitely get him through halfway, and I can get him, and if we make it halfway, I can, I can, I can will myself to 20, and then he can do the last six on his own, right? And he was like, yeah, I don't care. He goes, he goes, just get me to halfway. And if you get me to halfway, I, I think I can do it from there because I'll, I'll, the momentum will just take me. And so I said, all right, I signed up and my training did not go great, but you know, I was, I was training and I was, I was doing all right. And again, when I got to closer to race day, I thought the same thing. I thought, I'm going to try my darndest to run the entire way with him because it would be a good time for me as well. But at the very least, I'm going to get him through 13 miles. And if I can do that, I'll just take it one mile at a time. I'll push myself to 16. Once I get to 16, I'll push myself to 18. Once I get to 18, I'll push myself to 20. And then... You know, hopefully I, I can get him that far, you know, and anything after that really is gravy. So it was really weird. I had no goal. I had no aspirations to run any particular time. I just wanted to be able to pace my buddy. Well, about 10 days before the race, uh, my buddy rolled his ankle. He was running in the morning in the dark. It was windy. And he stepped off the side of a of the sidewalk into the grass and rolled his ankle. And so for the next ten days until race day, he kind of gingerly he ran a little bit, not a whole lot. He went out and ran ten miles one day and felt okay, pretty decent pace. So everything looked like it was a go for Saturday. So I woke up Saturday morning, and my only focus. My only focus was my friend. I was going to bury myself for my friend. I didn't care. I didn't care. I was going to go as long as I could at the pace he needed. And if I had to walk the rest of the way, I did not care. I did not care how much pain I would be in. My goal was to serve him. My goal was to be a good teammate and do whatever I could to get him to his goal. And so we got to the line on Saturday and we're ready to go. Now, another buddy of mine had given me some Nike Vaporflies to try. And of course, these are the, the fast shoes that everyone's complaining about that Nike has. And I tried them one time for a mile. <laughs> and I thought, I like these. These are great. I'm going to wear these. Now, for those of you that run, you know, you don't try anything new on race day. You stick to the same nutrition plan. You stick, you stick to the same shoes, the same shirts, you know, that you've been wearing. You don't do anything different because you don't want to risk it or test it on marathon day. And technically, the shoes were not new to me because I had worn them once before for an entire mile and a quarter. But that's probably not enough miles. 
that you should be wearing them at the marathon. So, I took a, uh, I took my regular racing shoes with me, just in case I changed my mind. Well, I get to race day, and I talk to my buddy's wife, and she's going to be at one of the aid stations. And I said, hey, can you do me a favor? And she goes, what? I go, can you take my shoes to the aid station? She was going to be at mile 11. I said, take my shoes to the aid station just in case I have to swap out, just in case these vapor flies don't work for me, right? And she said, sure, 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 no problem. I said, okay. So here we are Saturday morning at the line. My buddy and I were standing there talking. We both have a little bit of that nervous energy, but we're ready to go. It's it's game time. We've got great weather. Um, it was cool and overcast. It was probably in the high 40s, maybe low 50s to start. Perfect. It's perfect. And I'm thinking to myself, all the stars have aligned. We're going to make this happen. I can't wait. I cannot wait. The gun goes off and so do we. Off we go. And we go through mile one, two, three, four. Man, we're just taking them along. We're probably 10 seconds per mile faster than we needed to be. We were right on. We were right on schedule. Everything was, we were in a pack of people. Uh, the, the time that we needed to run was, uh, had a pace team. So we were, the pace team started way in front of us, but they kind of were going slower. We caught them. We were in the pace group with a bunch of people. It wasn't windy. Everything was working out perfectly. About mile five, I got a stitch in my side. But no big deal. It wasn't crippling. It just I just couldn't get my breathing right. So you know, I kind of slowed down a little bit. My buddy is about 10, maybe 12 seconds ahead of me. Not very far. I can, I can see him the whole time. Even on turns, I could keep an eye on him. He was running great. Everything was fine. Um, we go through mile six, and you know I'm starting to reel him back in, right? Because I, I need to catch up, and I need to pace him, right? I need to be with him. I catch up. I catch back up to him, and yeah, we're cruising along, and we get to mile eight, and right after the banner at mile eight, there's a sharp incline, uh, the sharpest one on the course all day. And my buddy hits that incline, and right away, you can tell something's wrong. The ankle starts acting up. He starts limping. He starts slowing down. <clears throat> and I'm like, come on, we got to keep going. And for those of you that have run marathons, you're going to experience pain at some point in the marathon. It's just, it's just too difficult of an event to not have pain at some point. Whether you have a previous injury or not is irrelevant. If you run at any kind of pace where you're challenging yourself, you're going to hurt at some point. Sometimes it's early and it goes away. Sometimes it's late and it, it doesn't go away and you just got to gut it out. Um, but it's going to happen. So my buddy's hurting. He's like, man, I don't know. This ankle is bothering me. I'm like, just hang in there. Just hang in there and get through it. Get through it. Let's keep moving and hopefully it'll pass and we'll go. It's not going to get any worse than this. It's not like you rolled it again. You know what I mean? He didn't he didn't re-injure it. It just it was just flaring up. I was like, "Come on. Keep going." And I keep pushing and 
I keep encouraging, trying to get them to keep going. <clears throat> and we get to about mile nine and a half, and it's bad now. He's really limping and struggling. He stops to stretch it out a little bit at one point. That, that kind of doesn't work. And so he's continuing to slow down. And I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's let's make it to the next aid station. Let's just see. You know, let's let's just try to keep going. We we had built up a little bit of a cushion over the first seven or eight miles, and we were giving some of it back, but we were still on pace. So I'm trying to encourage him to see if we can keep going. And <clears throat> as we get closer to mile eleven, which is where his wife was working at that aid station. I also had we both we both did we also had a couple of other friends working there two other friends one of which is my coach one of which is my close training buddy um and we get there and my training buddy has my shoes in his hands he's got his he's got my shoes in his hands and he looks at me and he goes do you need these he had taken them out of the bag and he was ready for me. He was ready for me. He was he was prepared to treat me like like a NASCAR pit stop. <laughs> he was going to change my tires for me if I needed it. And I was like, "No, I'm good." But 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 my buddy's hurting a little bit. We got to see what we can do. And so he runs with us until we get to the aid station. We get there and he's like, I can't. I can't do it. It's, it's, I can feel it swelling. It's just not going to work. We're at mile 11. We got 15 to go. And he stops and his wife comes to his aid and, and it just kind of talks to him for a bit. And I keep walking. And someone got this picture, and I don't know who got it, but someone got this picture, and I saw it afterwards. And I'm walking towards the aid station, and I'm about to run into my other buddy. And I'm walking, and I look terrible. My head is hanging low. I'm heartbroken. I'm absolutely heartbroken for my friend. He was going great. He was going to make it. He was, he was going to make it. He was going to run the time he needed to run. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. If, if that ankle didn't flare up, he was going to make it. And he was going to make it easily. You know, I, I'm not saying he would have blown the time away. But he'd have, he wouldn't have stressed that last couple miles. He'd have made it. And I was absolutely gutted and heartbroken for my friend. And I stopped and... You know, we're all standing around talking. Should he go? Should he not go? And and I don't say anything because I know I'm biased. <laughs> I'm biased because all I can think about is our goal was to run this marathon at this pace. And that's what we're doing. And we have to do it. And so I know that I, I, can't, I can't see. I can't see reason. Right, like I would run through the pain. I would, I would tell him to keep going, but his wife and my coach, you know, they're obviously they're not in the fight. They can be reasonable, right? They can be the level-headed people, and they, um, you know, they, we, we talk for a while and they look at his ankle and whatnot, and they're like, "Nah, man, you got 15 miles to go. It's too much." And 
he makes the decision to drop out. And I'm, I mean, I'm just, I'm heartbroken. I am literally heartbroken. I, I'm almost in tears. And my coach looks at me, and my coach knows me very well. Not just as a runner, but as a friend, as a family man. I mean, he knows me as a person. He knows me as a human being. Uh, we talk a lot about running, but we talk about everything. We talk about life. We talk about our families, our kids. We talk about work. I mean, we talk about everything. He knows me. And he looks at me and he goes, what are you going to do? And I go, I don't know. I, I told him, I said, I'm heartbroken, man. We were doing great today. But he knows me. And he says, well, get the hell out of here. You got 15 miles to go. And these miles ain't going to run themselves. You got to get the hell out of here and go finish this race. And he hands me a goo and he tells me to get the hell out of here. And we're equals in a lot of ways. But at the end of the day, he's my coach. And if he tells me to run through a wall, I run through a wall. That's the way I was raised. That's the way I am. He knows it. I know it. I will do whatever he tells me to do. And he will never abuse that power of being my coach. He'll never abuse it. He'll never tell me to do something that's going to kill me. Right? He'll never abuse it. But he will push me to the brink of what I can do. And that's what he did on Saturday. He told me, he said, get the hell out of here. Go finish this race. And so off I went. And my friend, he dropped out. Physically, he dropped out at mile 11. I dropped out mentally. Mentally at mile 11, I was I was done. I was done. I had nothing left. Uh, but coach told me to go and I'm going to go. And so off I went. And I remember getting to mile 14, right? I just passed halfway. And I get to mile 14 and I think to myself, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> what the hell am I doing? I didn't come out here to do this. What the hell am I doing? Um, but then I couldn't help hearing my coach in the background. Get the hell out of here. And I kept going. And I was, it was incredibly difficult. I was completely checked out mentally. And somehow I had to push my body to keep going. And I didn't feel like it. And I just kept going. I kept going. I got through 15. I got through 16. I got through 18. Ah, I finally hit the wall at 20. Someone was nice enough to hand me their goo at 21. I handed it to somebody else at mile 22 because... He looked like he was dying, and he he did he he said, "I thought we were gonna get goo at 19. Did I miss it?" And I said, "I don't know. I don't I don't think they had any at 19, but here you can have this one." I gave it to him, and he finished. And I got kept going, kept going. I got to mile 25, and it's only a mile. It's only 1.2 miles to go. Come on, you can do this. Just go finish. And right about 25 and a quarter, who do I see? My coach. And he takes his jacket off. He wraps it around his waist. 
and runs out on the road and runs with me. And he runs for about a third of a mile with me, maybe half a mile with me. And he's going and he's, it doesn't matter how bad my time is. He's still pushing me. And he's like, come on, let's go, let's go, come on. You can keep up with me and I'm just, I'm dead. And I remember at one point, we were running and I, running shoulder to shoulder. And I happened to be running right on the line and got the little uh, reflector things. And I go, hey, can you slide over a little bit? <laughs> Instead of me sliding over, I tell, hey, can you slide over a little bit so I can slide over too? And and off we go. And finally, he's like, all right, man, you're going too fast for me. Go finish this thing. And off I went for the last half a mile or whatever it was. And finally got down. You finish on a really nice waterway. And I'm coming down the last stretch, less than a tenth of a mile to go. And I see all of my friends right there on the side, all four of them. My coach, my buddy that dropped out, his wife, my other buddy. And they're cheering me on like I'm winning the damn thing. <laughs> it's four hours and change, man. I'm not winning anything. I barely deserve the medal. And I come through the finish line and I finish. And I get some water in me. And the first thing I do is I... I look around, and my coach has made it over there in this barricades, and I see him, and he's like, how you feeling? I'm like, yeah, I feel like shit. And he goes, yeah, but you made it. He goes, good job. I go, thanks. And then all of a sudden, I look over, and my buddy who dropped out is walking towards the fence, and he's limping real bad. <clears throat> and I walk over, and just seeing him broke my heart again. But I see him, and I give him a big old hug over the barricade, and he's like, Good job. Thanks for getting me to the aid station at 11 because I probably wouldn't have made it without you. And I'm like, who cares, man? You know, it's not what we came to do. But I gave him a big old hug and we went and we hung out at the little, you know, festival that there is afterwards and ate some food. And they were nice enough to go get me uh, chocolate milk and fruit. And they didn't let me do much walking around. And so anyway... That was the day. And so you think, okay, well, this is, you know, this is it, right? And then I, uh, we decide to go back to the hotel, which is about a half mile away. And uh, I'm going to go take a quick shower, right? I'm going to go back to the hotel, get a quick shower. I left my car there. And my buddy who dropped out had already been to the hotel and showered and whatnot. And he's back. So then we can go to lunch. So I get to, we get to the hotel and I get out of the car and I can barely move, right? Because after running a marathon, that's the way it goes. So I get out of the car and I grab my bag and I turn around and I look back at my car because I'm going to drop my bag off in my car before I go upstairs to take a quick shower. I turn around, I look at my car and I go, oh shit. And my buddy goes, what happened? And I point to my car, I go, I got a flat. <laughs> now, I can change a flat. I'm pretty good, actually. I've impressed people with my speed, probably from watching a lot of NASCAR. But I'm like, oh, man, one more problem. And my buddy, who did not run, walks up to me and he goes, give me your keys. And I go, what for? He goes, just give me your keys. And he takes the keys from my hand and he goes to my car. He goes, I'm like, what are you doing? 
He's like, I'm going to go change your tire. And I go, man, I know how to change a tire. He goes, you just ran a marathon. He goes, go get a shower so we can go to lunch. I'll change the tire. I'm like, okay. I kind of felt dumb, but he's right. I needed a shower, and I am pretty sore. So I went, showered, came back, and my tires changed. I have a nice fresh donut on it, and my buddy's gone. I'm like, where's my buddy? He's like, oh, he had to go. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's not going to lunch? He's like, no. He had to go. He had something else to do. So... In all that hustle and bustle, he still had stuff to do and he still did that favor for me. And then we went to lunch and we had a great time. And my other buddy bought me lunch. I wanted a burger. I was craving a burger. He's like, all right, let's go. And we went, we had a burger. We met some other runners. And I guess the moral of the story is I had dedicated this day to my friend. I was going to serve him Completely. I was completely looking outward. And at the end of the day, when it was all over, I got so much. I got so much. My buddy being grateful that I got him to mile 11 and paced him for as long as I did, for as long as we could. My coach encouraging me And getting me through my own disappointment of failing, my own disappointment that we couldn't that we couldn't accomplish the goal that we came to accomplish. His wife that took my my spare shoes with her, my buddy who changed my tire. I got so much. Now, maybe I got so much because I'm just blessed to be around good people. I don't know. Maybe that's it, or maybe it's karma. I put out good karma and good karma came back. I don't know. But either way, I finished off Saturday feeling extremely blessed. Having tried so hard to accomplish something that I don't even really know if I could have accomplished. And then to be rewarded that way. To be rewarded with a coach who loves me and motivates me. And then runs with me when I'm in pain. To be rewarded with my friend who didn't, he had stuff to do. He had to go meet friends or family or deal with his kids or whatever it was. Didn't bat an eye. Grabbed the keys right out of my hands. Said, I'll change the tire for you. My friend's wife who toted my shoes around for a couple of hours so that I could be ready to keep going. Treated me like NASCAR. She had his shoes ready to go. Out of the bag and everything. I'm so blessed. So, this Metal Monday means a little more to me than usual. In a different way. A lot of times it's about the time on the clock. A lot of times it's about the effort and the performance that you put on that day. For me, I'm a competitive person. And it means the world to me if I do well or not. It means everything. And Saturday, I failed. I failed. My goal was to get my buddy across that finish line in a certain time. And it didn't happen. I failed. 
I failed as much as he failed. I failed. I felt heartbroken and I felt like a failure. But yet at the end of the day, I felt so rewarded. I felt so blessed to have those people in my life. And to have that love and that camaraderie from those friends. I don't say this lightly. But those people are my brothers and my sister. I only have one brother. You see him on this show every week except when he's out of town, Alex. But those four people are my brothers and my sister. I love them like my family. The blessing that they gave me on Saturday is one that I will carry with me forever. Every race has a story. That will be the story of Saturday. My 61st marathon, a complete failure. And yet I've never felt so lucky. As you can well imagine, that's my shout out. My shout out is to those people. I love you guys dearly. Thank you so much for giving me a great experience. I love you guys. Folks, that's another episode of the Positive Sports Podcast. If you want to reach out and share some of your stories with me, I'd love to hear them. I would love it. I love to hear stories like this one. I know that there's a lot of people out there that are blessed just like I was. And I would love to hear your story. If you want to email the show, email the show, positivesports10 at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so on Twitter at emontana21. You can reach out to my brother as well at brooklyngaucho1. And as always, folks, ignore the negativity. Be the positivity. Peace.